Welcome to Move the Line, presented by 4for4.com. I'm Ryan Noonan. Joining me as always, fellow 4for4.com writer, Connor Allen. What's going on, my man? Not too much. Just uh, getting triggered about, you know, Illinois' betting laws over here pre-show, and I'm, I'm still a little angry right now. But um, I'm, I'm excited to break everything down, and I am I am going to make the road trip to register for everything. I'm going to have to do it because, you know, i got to scratch the itch. Yeah, you're, uh, I, I don't know, I, I've been like thinking about it a lot. It's just such a large chunk of time. It's like a 10-hour round trip for us to go downstate. It's a day. Yeah, it's a day. Yeah. So might just have to uh, see who makes the move first and then give the other guy the login info and give each other <laughs> some uh, some trouble. But uh, we're excited to unpack the NFC West this week. Uh, big fan of our guest this week. Uh, just consumed his content for a number of years and happy to have him on the show. Uh, you can find him over at fantasyguru.com and Elite Fantasy as well. It's Tyler Buecher. Tyler, what's going on, man? What's happening, fellas? Happy to be here. Sad we're not looking at any preseason slates. I mean, I was just thinking like, a year ago, at this point, we'd be getting ready for a Thursday slate of preseason football. Uh, unfortunately, not mm-hmm. happening right now, but we got plenty of prop bets we can look forward to for the upcoming year. Yeah, different times for sure. It uh, it definitely sucks, but we're going to make the best of it and get, gather all this news. Like it's almost overwhelming. Like I think it's hilarious to super overreact to like guys in t-shirts and shorts. It's that season. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But it's literally all we have now. Like we don't get anything else. And so it's like, what we buy into, what don't we buy into? It's just going to be, it's, it's tough. It's why we kind of, I think some of the narrative all preseason has been continuity and and some of those things. Cause you just, you know, more there, but uh, I think kind of finding the ability to make sense where we don't know going in, I think is kind of a, a good way to be able to leverage both in the prop markets, you know, in, in team totals, and then obviously in the fantasy game as well. But uh, before we jump in, want to let you know support for Move the Lines brought to you by Manscaped.com. Uh, Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Uh, Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Move the line at manscaped.com. It's 20% and free shipping at manscaped.com. All right, we're going to start a new segment here. Connor and I were talking about a little bit offline. I think is, I feel like there's always something. So we're going to have a little wake and take here. Um, start the show with just something that we've seen in the news, in our Twitter feeds that may or may not be on topic, uh, but maybe just needs a couple minutes of our time before we, we jump in. Uh, gets you loose. Tyler, we just, you know, it's like you're, you know, we're stretching, we're doing laps here. You probably saw this tweet. I'm not familiar with Mr. Shore Park's work. I know that he is, uh, I believe, is a beat for the Eagles. Uh, but this tweet definitely gained a little traction the other night in the Twitter sphere because it was, I think he was trying to be humble, but it came off a little bit of a wrong way. And I think we need to discuss it a little bit. The tweet itself was, I could. Maybe score a touchdown. I could luck into a home run. I could probably get two points in an NBA game. But I could play 100 games of hockey and never, ever score a goal. It looks impossible. So it's a lot to unpack here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tyler, off the top, do you see this thing? And what are your thoughts? 
Uh, no, I did not because I have okay. ESP blocked. Uh, he is one really? of the, the absolute worst beat reporters out of Philadelphia. So this is uh, actually perfect because this is in your sphere. This is your, this is your guys. Yeah, this guy's a clown. Uh, he's somebody that I've avoided <laughs> for years. Um, there's just so many better beat reporters in this town, and uh, I try not to get let the bad information influence my Twitter timeline. And uh, he's one of those guys that just always has bad takes, and they're the fire takes. Uh, this is just an ice cold freezing one, though. <laughs> so you missed oh. this one. I think his premise is okay. So what he's trying to surmise here, I think, is that hockey's hard. I think we all agree. Like hand-eye coordination, doing it all while skating, pretty incredible. Um, but he's also, I think, tr- while trying to make his point, is also implying that he could do a couple other things that I think he probably also has a snowball's chance in hell of actually doing. Um, oh, Connor, what are your thoughts? God. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay, so what's great is he because I can maybe score a touchdown. Like, okay, no, you can't score a touchdown. <laughs> I could luck into a home run. You can't even luck into a hit, pal. Like, you didn't even, like, play any sports. I like I did a little bit of digging on this guy because I was like, man, did this guy even play like high school <laughs> sports? I was like, this guy looks like such a little dweeb, you know what I mean? Um, and so I'm like digging, and I saw he was like a, I don't know, journalism major at Temple, and like, you know, I mean, grinded his way into whatever role he's in now. But I mean, good for him on that end. But you can't do any of these. I don't even know like which one's the easiest. Maybe like if you're if an opposing NBA team is playing man to man, and like there's an ISO, and your guy slips, and you make a cut to the basket, and you're like literally sitting there wide open like i don't even that's like the only one that's even remotely possible like this guy's not even hitting like a high school baseball like let alone an uh, mlb <laughs> home run oh my god that's some that is some clown shit that is straight up like <laughs> i saw this and was like this inspired our segment just to find something like this online <laughs> be like that is the dumbest thing that i have read online in a while yeah, it's pretty bad. I mean, the, like the same content for the touchdown. Like you know, you pretty much gave like a one percent outlier scenario, which you would need in order to gain access to like an NBA bucket. And you could probably say the same thing for a touchdown, right? Like he could, like maybe be at the one yard line and have a perfectly perfectly executed block, and all of a sudden, like he could stumble in. But um, I think that even the, giving himself credit for the, the what if bucket is pretty egregious. I mean, get, the nerves would get the best of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He'd I miss mean, it. In, in a previous life, I was a division three basketball scholarship athletes. Um, I don't think I could get an NBA, a bucket against anyone in the <laughs> NBA. And I s- still play four hours a week and I couldn't, I, I mean, like, we, those guys are incredible athletes. They are long. They are fast for you to get that separation. Like he would literally need to just catch and chuck over his shoulder and hope he banked one in. Like he couldn't do any of this and it was an egregious take and sorry, Tyler, that you blocked this and we brought it back <laughs> to your sphere. No, it just reminded me of exactly why it was blocked in the first place. <laughs> All right, let's get on to the fun stuff. We'll talk some football here at the NFC West. Uh, great division, obviously. 49ers coming off a Super Bowl appearance. Um, we know what happens. Super Bowl hangover is, is kind of a thing. I mean, little narrative based, but you tend to see it year after year. Teams that go, particularly the team that loses, uh, just kind of struggles the next year. Uh, get the uh, Niners again, favorites here, plus one hundred to win the division. Seahawks trailing them, also a playoff team. And those two, those games last year, those Seahawks Niners games were great. We have to do it again this year. Uh, Seahawks plus two forty. 
Rams obviously coming off again. They had a little bit of that Super Bowl lag last year, trying to make it back to the playoffs, plus 570. And the Cardinals, 9-1. to one. Um, And the Cardinals got a lot of steam here coming into the uh, early when the Lions first dropped. I know they got a lot of action on their over. So uh, just off the top, Connor, what are your thoughts on the division? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that the Seahawks at plus 240 to potentially win the division are just an interesting value just right off the top here. Um, I think that they're a little bit closer to the 49ers than their odds would suggest, but uh, we'll get into that a little bit more as the, the show goes on. All right, let's unpack the uh, NFC champs, uh, 49ers. Again, here, as we mentioned, uh, plus 100 here to win this division. Total 10.5 across the board. You can bet on them to make the playoffs, minus 335. Uh, if you don't think that's going to happen, you can get plus 300 over on FanDuel. Uh, you can get them to go back to the Super Bowl uh, just a little shy of 5-1, to 10-1 to one to win it all. So, uh, Tyler, let you kick us off. What are your thoughts here on the Niners? Uh, really big fan of what they were able to do last year. Have some questions though, regarding their ability to repeat and take this division. Uh, I think it's going to be a really strong one between them and Seattle uh, without burying the lead there regarding the Seahawks. But I don't like any of these odds right now in terms of taking one just straight up. Uh, 10.5 win total seems honestly like a, a really good line right there for the 49ers. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the passing attack here, but again, like this this offense run, runs through their ground game and they have a very strong defense, really like their defensive line, the talent there, and their linebackers, they have good depth. Um, I guess the, the big question I have is the secondary and if they can repeat last year's performance. I mean, Richard Sherman's getting up there in age and I think the secondary is boosted a little bit by their pass rush. Uh, those are just kind of my overarching thoughts on the 49ers. Not really interested in any of these bets, though. Yeah, hard to disagree. I mean, they, they were second in the league in pressure rate last year. Um, I feel like they're built for the most part to do it again. Obviously, big trade, moving DeForest Buckner to the Colts, but then they go ahead and basically add a, a younger, what they hope to be replacement for him and Javon Kinlaw early in the draft. Basically, all the you know the key pieces that they lost, they went out and and added you know Joe Staley retires on the offensive line, they make a really great trade with Washington football team to add Trent Williams who hadn't, hadn't been doing anything you know adding Brandon Ayuk they were, thought they were getting Jalen Hurd back that didn't go so well, um, but yeah Connor uh, what are your thoughts here on uh, on the Niners? Yeah, not too much to add there. I think that the market has, you know, gauged them pretty well. I thought it was interesting, though, if you can see the odds screen over here, um, there's a points bet right now. Um, they're offering um, over 10.5 at plus 105, um, whereas FanDuel is offering under 10.5 at plus 100. So if you're into that kind of thing and have a lot of cash sitting on both sites that you don't plan on using for some reason, um, you can technically get like a free bet on the over there because um, if um, – you know, the under hits, then you're just breaking even. If the over hits, you're making a little bit of money on the juice. Not something that I'm doing, but just thought it was interesting nonetheless. Um, and then, like, the, the strength of schedule according to opposing win total is pretty average, 17th. Um, and I think breaking it down by opponents I thought was interesting, though. So, like, they start against the Cardinals, Jets, and Giants, which I think are three um, fairly winnable games that they, you know, they should be heavily favored in and definitely come out with a win. Then they play eight of nine games against opponents who are projected to be above average with win totals above eight. So I think that, you know, there's definitely, it's definitely not going to be easy for them, even though they are a very good team all around. Um, their defense could take a slight step back with DeForest Buckner, the trade there. Um, like you said, like Kinlaw um, was drafted to be his replacement, but, you know, we don't know really how quickly that's going to come on. Um, their uh, defensive backs or their 
defensive coordinator also said that there's an open competition among their cornerbacks. So I'm not really sure if that might be a little bit of a weakness for them. I'm sure their defensive line will make up for some of the downfall there, but I think there's a little bit of a room for them to, you know, regress on the defensive side here. So um, I, I, you know, I think I've adjusted accordingly more towards the player props. I'm not really looking to like fade the 49ers uh, on a betting, you know, market standpoint, but um, yeah, I think that I think that the player props are probably the best way to attack it here. Yeah, I think you guys are both right. I, mean, I feel like the numbers are probably pretty good. Like I feel like it's a ten or eleven win football team, and it's basically what the market's telling us. And I just don't know that there's any buying opportunities here. That first uh, Seattle game is tough. Week eight, but it's the second of a back to back. They're coming off of a week seven game in New England, so having to fly east back and then you know play two weeks in a row on the road against your division rival is kind of a, a tough game knowing that those are going to be massive games in determining who wins this division. So those are, those are pretty dicey. Uh, we'll move into the props here. Jimmy G I know is a, a buy for us, Connor, you know, we've done a couple of high stakes things together and um, you know, I think we are buying the opportunity for a little bit of overall regression for the team. I mean, I know that they want to be a run heavy team. They will be a run heavy team, but I do think that there's some ability for, for Jimmy G and I think our projections at four for four think so as well. We have him at 4,431 passing yards, significantly higher, almost 600 yards higher than anything out there in the markets. Um, I'll toss it to you first, Tyler. What are your thoughts on Jimmy G? Yeah, these numbers here, like 3,700, 3,800, they just seem way too low. And I'm not really a big staunch supporter of Jimmy Garoppolo for this year, but those numbers, I think he can easily surpass even with a run first offense. Like, this opening schedule, like you guys talked about, Arizona, the Jets, Giants, Eagles, Dolphins. I mean, four of those five teams project for a losing record. The rest of the season, though, it's a little bit more challenging. They face the third toughest schedule. Uh, the only thing I have an, an issue with here on these bets for Garoppolo is the wide receiver depth. Like, Debo Samuel's already hurt. He has that um, Jones fracture, which we historically takes a little bit for them to get back from. And if they try to rush back, there's a really strong chance of him re-injuring it and being lost for the year. Jalen heard the IR this week. If Ayuk has any kind of injury, I mean, this depth chart looks pretty lean. Like there's not much meat on the bone here. Do you guys trust Dante Pettis, Kendrick Bourne, <laughs> Trent Taylor? I mean, these are all like the rejects in a 16 team dynasty league. Like yeah. <laughs> none of these guys offer a lot of fantasy appeal. It's so bad. They had to add other guys of that similar vein like jj nelson Tavon austin and jaron brown over the last week it's just a really thin receiver group and i'll be honest i'm not really investing in garoppolo and fantasy purposes this year simply because uh, i did a study over on fantasy guru on quarterback consistency and over the past two years garoppolo has been a top 12 performer just 27 percent of the time and he's been outside the top 24 39 percent of the time so you often get a lot of bust weeks thrown in there and it's just not the type of investment I like to make at the quarterback position. No, it makes sense. They definitely want to run. Um, I think a little bit of the appeal is some of the schedule pieces and then thinking that there's going to be some regression. And then also just second year off of the injury, a little bit more familiar in the system. Uh, but obviously you make all the points. It doesn't matter if he's feeling better and is more confident if he has nothing but Jags to throw to. And kind of where we're at right now, unfortunately. I mean, I think Ayuk is – is a is a baller, but then having to right. really lean on a rookie is also not something where I really want to, you know, get yeah. a little bit overweight on either. But I mean, Kittle, yeah, like Kittle, and then I think Jordan Reed might step up a little bit, you know, if he's healthy for whatever three games, four games, maybe. Right. Um, and then, yeah. and I I think Ayuk too, right? What he would 
did he suffer a core? He get core surgery like right before the draft or like uh, something like that. He had like a core injury and that like kind of pushed down his draft stock, you know, artificially. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, it definitely is a little dicey, but um, yeah, I think the the volume I thought was just enticing because it seems like I don't know. I think that there the opportunity for this offense to be better um, is is there just because of Kyle Shanahan and like whenever they were able to pass, they were efficient. They just like didn't need to. So I don't know. Maybe it's more of me hoping that they're going to be better because like when we see that opportunity and when Jimmy G like does throw a lot, he's he's performed pretty well. So. I don't know. I, I I do agree though. At this point, with all the injuries coming up and you know everything shaping up, uh, I might you know need to take a little step back here from buying too much into the offense. Jerry McKinnon in the slot, man. There you go. <laughs> right. So we'll move on to the backs. The backs, obviously, you know, with McKinnon maybe being healthy for the first time in multiple years, we know that the Jeff Wilsons of the world come in here and get carries. Uh, we have. Raheem Mostert's props. I don't have any props on Tevin Coleman, but I think he's an interesting buy. That gap, I think, should be significantly closer in the fantasy game. Uh, Coleman is – I think he has been moving, but I think Mostert got that that contract bump. I think we're seeing him back up into the fifth, sixth round pretty often. Our projections on 4 for 4 are bullish here as well. 940 yards rushing for Mostert, and we're finding uh, 750 and a half in the prop markets. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Tyler? What do you, and I guess the running backs as a whole. It's just the market I'd rather avoid. Like we've got yeah. Tevin Coleman in the fold, Jarek McKinnon, Jeff Wilson, and even rookie Jamichael Hasty. Like I could see any of these backs taking over a sizable workload at any point in the year based on how injuries go. And it's just a lot of names. I mean, we saw them bounce back, but between the different running backs last year, especially in the playoffs, I mean, they had a different back starting between uh, Coleman and, um, most dirt when it mattered most. Uh, yeah. I'm just going to avoid this here. I'll admit the line is low, like 750.5 rushing yards is a good line. And if you're investing in Mostert at his round five ADP, I think it's something that you want to take a, a, a stab at because the two go hand in hand. If he's going to pay off that round five ADP and clear that 750 rushing yard mark, uh, I'm just not really investing in Mostert at that price. So I'm kind of going to just avoid this here. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense. They're painful to watch. You know, if you have any fantasy pieces in the puzzle there, because it's just, you never know who it's going to be. You'll have, you know, you last year you'd have these games with Burita just balling out and then just Jeff Wilson goal line cuck and you know, <laughs> just <laughs> wishing to understand what in the world could possibly happen. But uh, yeah, Connor, any thoughts on uh, on the most market? I mean, our projection has him at 940, but I think that's too optimistic, to be honest. I think that – It's really um, optimistic. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just think that we saw last year, and I had a pretty strong take on, you know, Moser being a fade earlier in the offseason, especially when he was going like the fourth round. Like we saw him explode in that Green Bay game, um, mostly – well, partially due to Tavern Coleman suffering injury on like the first or second drive – then in the Super Bowl, after two weeks of rest, and but Tevin Coleman is still banged up, Tevin Coleman got the first carry of the Super Bowl, not Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert didn't even get a carry in the first quarter of the Super Bowl. I mean, like, Shanahan doesn't care that Raheem Mostert looked good in one game or he's more explosive. And, like, this was kind of like, you know, my tweet the other day talking about how, like, understanding what coaches will do, you know, is way more important than, like, what you think about your, like your analysis on like players and explosiveness and stuff. Like, this is, I think a great example because I mean, sure. He mostly looked good and he dominated, obviously. I mean, he scored four touchdowns at 220 yards, but like 
Shannon's still going to rotate all of them. And now you have McKinnon coming into the fold who can catch passes and is explosive and is looking good. And all the reports are there. So, I mean, personally, I'm take I like McKinnon as like the cheapest option in fantasy. And like, if there were some prop markets, I would definitely be interested because they'd probably be way too low, but I'm sure they're not going to float anything on him. So I'm, I'm off the Moser one here, even though I think that, I mean, seven fifty and a half is probably about right. Even if he is rotating. Yeah, I couldn't send it any better than what Tyler said. I mean, I, I would just in general stay away. If you're buying Mostert, I get why you would go here. There's obviously a buy at at that number. Uh, but again, we talk about always just poking holes and running back overs. Now we have COVID season on top of it. So like there's just so many outs for this to not go your way. Uh, it just is – it's something that I would, I would just stay away from. Um, how about Kittle, Connor? I mean – we're obviously leaning on him and hoping that he's going to be a massive piece of this puzzle. His um, number at you know a thousand fifty yards. I mean that's that's lower than what he did last year, which was lower than his rookie year output. Um, again, knowing that they were running more than last year than we think they're going to this year. Uh, four for four projections again, very bullish on a forty nine er here. Uh, six touchdowns, twelve hundred eighty five receiving yards. Very very strong projection. Uh, what are your thoughts on Kittle? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, like what Tyler brought up here, there's just they're really thin on weapons. Like I can see them leaning on Kittle a lot. But at the same time, you know, when they signed Jordan Reed and like he's healthy, I thought that could take away a little bit of his thunder. But I mean, not really anymore. I mean, like there's now it's just a war of attrition, like who's actually going to be healthy. Um, but the, the touchdown prop I thought was interesting. So it's at seven touchdowns. Um, the past two years, he's only scored five touchdowns somehow and had two as a rookie. Uh, we haven't projected for 5.9. I mean, you would think that like you would have to score more than five this year, but I don't know. I mean, it, I think that's tough. So like a, a line of seven, I mean, I'm not taking the under, but I don't know. I, I think it's a tough one. Do you have any takes on that one, Tyler? I do have a take on the 1050. I think that's a really good line. And one of the uh, first prop bets here that I greenlit is one to take. I mean, like no team threw to the middle of the field more frequently than the 49ers last year, 65%. No team used pre-stamp motion at a higher rate than the 49ers last year at 70%. I mean, they used both these to get Kittle into creative looks and get him into uh, positions where he can pick up yardage after the catch. There's a reason why he led all tight ends over the last two years in that yak category. And it's because of the ways that that Shanahan's able to use him creatively. We can add in the fact that Debo Samuel is likely to be missing time, that Jones fracture that we talked about. And I think we see Kittle repeat or even improve that 28% target share that he had last year. Really good shot to hit a thousand yards and five touchdowns the last two years. That just seems way too low for a guy of that caliber that's seeing that type of volume and that type of work in the end zone. Right. Uh, seven touchdowns. I mean, it's really tough betting on touchdowns. I think it's a, right. a long-term losing market to try oh, to yeah. bet on, but man, if it were like 6.5, I'd hit it. I don't know about seven on the dot. Yeah, those are great yeah. points though. Yeah, it's it's tough. They're going to need him this year. Bottom line, you know, we at this point don't know what Debo's status is going to be. You know, he really emerged, leaning on a second-year guy coming off of a foot injury and a rookie as your main your main two guys. I mean, you're going to need Kittle to do some other stuff. Um, he again is just so dynamic as a blocker. I know mm-hmm. they love to keep him in, but like he just allows them to be so multiple. You mentioned the pre-stab motion. You know, they'll get him a handful of carries, which is always nice uh, for the touchdown. You know, you never know. Like, he could be the goal line back here and there. Uh, that'll help push him over. But, uh, yeah, definitely buying Kittle and any opportunity that I can get. All right, we'll move on to the Seahawks. 
and see if uh, we can let Russ cook finally. Uh, odds to make the playoffs, minus 128 to make the playoffs on FanDuel. They are a no at Sugar House at plus 113. Basically, 9.5 is the number everywhere in the win total market. Mentioned earlier, plus 240 to win this division. You can get him uh, at uh, basically 10.5 to go to the Super Bowl, 21 to win it all. It's uh, basically the same song and dance that we've had with Russ the last couple of years. He's absolutely incredible. Is he going to get a chance to really be MVP level Russ if they need him to? I have major, major questions on this defense. Uh, they weren't really good last year, and I don't think they're really built to be much, much better this year. What are your thoughts on uh, Seahawks, Tyler? Again, I think they have a chance to win this NFC West here, plus 240. I kind of like that bet there. I mean, my my usual morning routine is for me to uh, check all my best ball drafts, check my email, check the weather, and then Google Jadavian Clowney news to see whether or not he signed with the Seahawks. Because they're just that pass rush away. I mean, after getting Jamal Adams, I love the moves they made there. Um, the, the whole secondary, adding Quentin Dunbar and adding uh, Darius Slay the previous year, I think they've revamped that uh, back four right there and it's going to be a little bit better entering the 2020 season, but it's not going to do much unless they can actually rush the passer. And I mean, we saw last year, like the Ziggy Ansa signing did absolutely nothing. The Jadavian <laughs> Clowney did some work when he was healthy and on the field, but they, they just need that premier pass rusher. And I don't know why they're dragging their feet around it. We see every other NFL team manipulate the cap at like a, a the snap of a finger. Why aren't the yeah. Seahawks doing this and getting Clowney signed? I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. It, they need him because I think you mentioned that. I think it's hard to not like some of the defensive backfield moves, but 29th in pressure last year and really nothing to fill in the clowny loss. I know he, you know, he only had three sacks last year, but sacks are kind of like a pretty noisy stat. Like, you know, he was massively impactful. You have to account for him um, sometimes with multiple guys. So he, he would be a massive signing for them. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, on the Seahawks here, Connor? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that a plus 240, I, I like that a lot. Um, I mean, looking at the win total first, though, since Russell Wilson took over, the Seahawks have won 10 or more games in seven of eight years. Uh, only one year they won nine games, um, which I thought was pretty impressive. And then this year they also have the benefit of playing against the Jets, Giants, Dolphins, Redskins, and the Cardinals twice. You know, I'm not super, um, I'm not super low on the Cardinals or anything, but I definitely think that they're, you know – they're not a complete team just quite yet. Um, so like really I view them like pretty much uh, hand in hand with the 49ers or like, a, you know, a slight step down and at plus 240, like more than two to one, I think is really good value. So um, I think that at that point I'm buying, I like them to plus 240 to win the division um, just because I think that it's more like closer to like plus 150 plus 160 than it should then like a plus 240. Um, if I were to, if I were to, you know, handicap it myself here. So yeah, I like that. I lean towards the over. Um, I think nine and a half is fine, but you know, kind of like I said, the history is there. The team is still good. They added Jamal Adams. Um, you know, not sure we see Russ cook this year, but it's, it's fine. He doesn't need to, he can still be the, the uber efficient, you know, quarterback that he has been and lead them to some wins. We're obviously as kind of the trend so far in the show. Haven't seen this in the other shows. This is our, Sixth division preview. I don't think we've seen this trend yet, but very bullish on Russ at four for four, uh, projecting his passing yards, 4,193 yards, uh, touchdowns just a tick over 28. 
and looking in the prop market, we could find a 3,700 yards out there for Russ. Um, touchdowns all the way up to 30 and a half. Um, Tyler, what are your thoughts on Russ in the prop market? Super low pass yarding line, 3,700. He's hit over that for the last five years. I believe we see DK Metcalf take a big step forward in year two. I'm on team let Russ cook. Like no matter how nerdy he is on social media, this guy can ball. They just need to let him do it. Like I think 3,700 yards is perfect. And the 30.5 pass touchdowns, I actually read about this a little bit over a month ago when uh, Scott Fishbowl was going on because he was a guy that I was targeting pretty heavily in fantasy leagues. Over the last three years, 14 total quarterbacks have thrown at least 30 passing touchdowns. Wilson is the only quarterback to repeat this feat, throwing for 30-plus in three straight and throwing for 30-plus in four of the last five seasons. Wow. I think it's up the perfect line, though, 30.5. So I'm just going to walk away from that one, but I would I would definitely hit that passing mark at 3,700. Take the yards. Yeah, we all want to see him cook. And that's kind yeah. of why like, I don't love this team, but I get why you both have interest in taking them to win the division at the number because he just he tends to be a difference maker and – they're at their best when they are in a close game or coming from behind in the fourth quarter when they don't really have a choice, but to really, really lean on him. Um, they have some questions maybe at the running back position. Position Chris Carson obviously coming off of a hip injury. We know that uh, Rashad Penny's not going to be there to start the year. They go out and add Carlos Hyde. Uh, they add DJ Dallas earlier in the draft. Um, that seems to kind of shore things up. We know they want to run the football. All reports seem to be that Carson should be good to go here. Uh, We are not necessarily buying a full bounce back, though, on a prop market with Chris Carson, 996 rushing yards for Carson uh, as under what we could find out there in the market, uh, 1,050. Connor, any interest in in Carson and the number? Are you touching him in fantasy drafts? What are your thoughts on, uh, on the running backs here? I don't mind him in fantasy drafts, but, um, you know, we've talked about this on a number of episodes. Like, I just don't really think that he's the type of player to attack in a binary prop market, you know, coming off of a hip injury um, that was pretty serious. And so, like, do I think that he could very easily rush for, like, you know, 1,100, 1,200 yards? Yeah. Um, But, like, could he get injured or get COVID or something like that in the middle of the year? It's just not something that a running back over is something that I'm really pumped on, a player who's already, you know, just got injured and, like, I mean, yeah, he doesn't really have much competition. So I think that's why, like, in fantasy drafts, like, I think the upside is higher than most people are giving him credit for because he's going to be the lead back on one, a run-heavy offense, you know, that has a good has a good team in general, has a lot of, like, touchdown equity. Um, so I do think as a fantasy player, he's good. At 1,050 yards, I think it's a pretty sharp line. Um, I'm not touching it. Uh, I think that our take of 900-some yards is uh, is pretty sharp. So, I mean, I guess lean under if you really want to bet it, but I'm not taking anything. What are your thoughts on Tyler and uh, Carson here, Tyler? Yeah, I agree with what a lot of what Connor had said there. I think like a fully healthy Carson, yeah, we could definitely see it happening, especially with uh, Rashad Penny sidelined at least six weeks due to being on the pup list. He's entering year four, has the fourth most runs of 10-plus yards over the last two years. Carson's got some juice. I mean, there's a reason why he's going in the fourth round of fantasy drafts. I think he's a good pick there. I just wish we had like a preseason to be able to see how well that hip is in terms of recovery. But that line is so good at 10-50, like, our projections of fantasy guru are right there with you where it's very close to it. I think it's a line to avoid, but if I had to pick a side, I would go with the over, but I'm, I'm just going to walk away again from this one. Yeah. That's a good call. I think this is a discussion that is popular. I think in, in our space and I think it makes sense, but at the end of the day, like the answer is both um, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. Um, yes. Both. The, the answer is both. It's a very thin 
Um, for some reason, they haven't let David Moore cook. Um, I've, been, <laughs> I've been begging for it for three years. Oh, man. Yes, I love it. The, the dude can play, uh, but whatever. They're not going to let him on the field. They brought in Philip Dorsett's. Um, dude, and you know, David Moore is not on the show sheet. Stick to the show <laughs> sheet. Uh, we don't have any props on David Moore, but like I, you know, I just want I just want him to get a chance. You know, for the Niners, hopefully maybe he gets dropped. And San Fran picks him up, and Kyle Shanahan will make uh, that kid a uh, fantasy asset for sure. Uh, but yeah, the answer is both. I think in fantasy, and and we definitely. Are leaning to what I think was, uh, you know, Tyler's point a little bit earlier. The DK Metcalf thing is, I think he's only going to get better. Props to Seattle. You know, I know the narrative coming in was he was very one dimensional from like a route running standpoint. I think that kind of is still mostly the case. They just really made it narrow. They really only have him run two or three different routes, but he wins physically and has an incredibly accurate, smart quarterback throwing him the football. Um, our props, uh, our, our projections at four for four, think that it becomes DK's team. Uh, 1,048 yards is more than Tyler Lockett. Our projection there, 985 yards. Uh, but obviously flip-flopped in the prop market, finding uh, DCAF at 850 and Tyler Lockett at 975, which I think is pretty aggressive. But uh, what are your thoughts on on these guys and, and the props, Tyler? Uh, first of all, I love both these wideouts, and I'm taking both in fantasy drafts this year. I think it really just depends on what kind of wide receivers you've assembled to date, which one you want to target. I think the ceiling is sky high for both these guys. Uh, and I love the lines here for DK Metcalf especially. 850 receiving yards feels way too low for a guy that could be like the next Julio Jones. 6.5 touchdowns? I mean, I think he could beat that by the quarter pull of the season. Like the, the dude's a beast, especially in the red zone. Led the league in 18 end zone targets, despite not really coming into his own until late last year. Uh, speaking of end zone targets, you know who was fourth? Tyler Lockett. Like th- these guys love to throw here in the red zone, and uh, Lockett had the fourth most red zone targets as well. 18 touchdowns over the last two years. Only Tyree Kill has more. A lot of scoring potential there with Tyree Kill uh, with uh, Tyler Lockett. I like both these guys. I'm trying to target both and I'd hit the overs on both touchdown markets, despite what I said earlier about touchdowns <laughs> and, and I'd hit the over on DK Metcalf receiving yardage. The line for Lockett's really good though. I think he's right around a thousand yard receiver. So I'm going to shy away from that one. Yeah. I like them both. They often in fantasy, like you got to make a decision. Um, we have DK Metcalf on both of our man event teams. The one team we have Russ with them. We tried to double dip. And get them both. We got sniped on Russ the second time. So we, we are definitely heavily invested in this uh, this narrow narrow tree. Uh, what are your thoughts on these receivers here, Connor? Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is that it is so narrow. Like, who else are they going to throw to? So, like, you know, even if um, you know, even if they aren't throwing that much, like, it's going to be just Lockett and Metcalf. Uh, catching passes from like a super efficient quarterback. So I think that, you know, that makes up for maybe the lack of getting like 150 targets. Um, but I think this line for DK is kind of low, right? So he had 900 yards as a rookie. Um, and I think, I mean, he should definitely take a step forward. I don't know, like more time to develop chemistry with Russ. Um, and I like Tyler said, I think that he has just incredible upside. Like I would say 900 yards is more like his floor rather than, you know, his ceiling. Um, so I think that that line is like 50 yards off. Um, like I think he should be closer to like 900, 925 yards as a line. Um, and I think that he, you know, eclipses a thousand yards as a receiver. So I like the over on eight to 50 and a half for sure. Um, I mean, touchdowns are tough, but we do have him projected 
both of them actually projected for 6.9 touchdowns, which is nice. very nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I wasn't sure if maybe TJ Hernandez or, you know, uh, Paulson, you know, slip something in there to try and try and, you know, make their projections fun. But um, yeah, I think that DK over here is, is a very solid bet. Yeah. This is not like a low a dot, you know, ball control receiver. You know, he's getting the high leverage targets that we want to down the field. You know, that's a, that's a pretty low number for, for a guy that the way that they use him um, all glowing reports, obviously. I mean, if anyone's going to look good, in a t-shirt and shorts, it's going to be DK Metcalf. But the early reports this week have been that the chemistry is there. Everyone's really impressed with the work he's put in, looking somehow bigger, stronger, and faster. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a buying opportunity at that number. It's uh, it's just way, 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 way too low. Uh, I'm a little off of Seattle. I really do think again that this is probably a uh, maybe an eight to ten win team. I feel like Russ is too good for them to to really even only win eight games. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm not necessarily bullish on them taking over the Niners. But again, seven playoff teams this year. I think this is definitely a playoff team, and and uh, they definitely have potential for more, especially if they add Clowney. I think we had the same we had the same conversation last year, though, too. I think we were on more on the same page there with the Seahawks, you know, not necessarily being like a super great team, or at least just taking a step back because we thought that their defense wasn't going to be as good. And, um, you know, they went out there and kind of proved us wrong. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I, I just think it, it's at a certain point, like, you know, maybe it's, it's just too hard to doubt Russ, right? Like I, I he just he can will this team to pretty much any game. I, at least in my opinion, I don't know. No, that's yeah, what it is. I, 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 I make fun of you once. <laughs> no, I mean, I was in the same boat as you, right? It was like, you know, we were both down, kind of down on Seattle up on, you know, the 49ers. I remember last year and, um, you know, neutral on the Rams, but I, I don't know. I think I think it could be an, an interesting year for sure. I think that you know Seattle will be able to. I think they'll make a run for the division. I think I think our plus two forty has a chance to cash. I think it's a good bet. I get it. I will cheer for you and your money over here. So <laughs> uh, before we move on and wrap up the other two teams, we'll talk again real quick about our sponsor, Manscaped, the uh, best in men's below the waist grooming. Uh, Connor, I don't know if you've dug into the, um, the body gel, the shower gel stuff yet. Have you got into some of that stuff? No, I have not. Have you used it? Shower gel is good. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, I don't know what a, uh, I don't know what a man's supposed to smell like, but I think that that's, that's what it is. Yeah. All right. Well, I might have to like, I might have to pull mine out. I'm not sure. I haven't, I haven't used it yet this weekend though. I it's actually bad, bad choice of words there. <laughs> I, I brought my little uh, my little like grooming kit or whatever to I went to a wedding this weekend. I brought my grooming kit and then I brought my crop preserver uh, ball deodorant. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean literally just you know I was gonna give a live demonstration on the live stream, but I figured that four for four might not be pumped about that. Um, but I mean it's good stuff. It's like some cream you rub down there and you're smelling fresh, you know, for the whole night. So I mean, like I said on the other streams, I am. I am very proud of this, and I think it makes too much sense to put on deodorant, you know, down under if you put it in your other crevices as well. So, smelling good for the rest of the day. <laughs> I haven't dug into the balls uh, deodorant yet, but uh, you, oh, you, you are missing out. You make a case for sure. So, okay, don't forget to go over to manscaped.com, use the code move the line, get yourself 20% off and free shipping. So, we will talk about the uh, Los Angeles Rams. 
Uh, again, looking to bounce back after a tough season last year, they are plus 149 to make the playoffs and minus 160 not to make the playoffs over at FanDuel, which is interesting. Uh, you can get him uh, basically eight, eight and a half at some places for their win total, uh, plus 570 win the division here, 25 to one to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, 50 to one to win it all. Uh, tough start for this team. You know that they basically are really top heavy from a contract standpoint. Really need uh, Jared Goff to bounce back to similar to what we saw in their Super Bowl run. Again, this is another team with a pretty narrow target tree as well, which makes it pretty interesting in the prop market and fantasy. But uh, Tyler, give me your thoughts on the Rams. Okay. Uh, tough, tough bets here. The only one I like is the minus 160 no for them to make the playoffs. Uh, I think this team has a lot of work to do on the defense. We saw a lot of turnover there. Uh, a lot of good names leaving, and I think there's a lot of holes that need to be filled. Brand new defensive system being implemented. I'm going to say no for them to make the playoffs, but I do think there's a chance that this offense rebounds, uh, specifically the passing attack. Jared Goff, I, I think he had, he ran pretty poorly last year to just throw uh, however many touchdowns he did, uh, well below his uh, career average that he's done with Sean McVay. Good chance to bounce back there and um, – yeah, that's kind of where I am. I just think this def- this team isn't ready to compete in the NFC, despite the NFC being a little weaker than the AFC. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't uh, I don't love it. I don't love what we see on the defensive side, and um, I know that we get that extra that extra team in the playoffs. But uh, I just have more questions than I would feel confident, even in this this uh, this conference where there's just there's not the dominant Chiefs and Ravens like we have in the AFC. It feels a little bit more wide open. And, you know, definitely could emerge as a playoff team. I just, I'm not super confident. What are your thoughts here, Connor? Yeah, I mean, originally I was kind of in the same boat. It's not like I really changed my mind. I mean, they they have a really tough start. Cowboys, Eagles, Bills. Um, I mean, I think, you know, really at best there, they win maybe one game um, to start the season. And then, but I've been looking at their history with McVay, right? Like they've won 11, 13, and nine games. So, um, for us to project, you know, the Rams really to struggle, I think that we also have to project the Cardinals kind of like overtaking them in the division. Um, and so I think that that's possible, though, and that's kind of the thing is like, are they going to repeat? Are they going to repeat, you know, history here with like 11, 13 or nine games or even like a above 500 record? I'm not really so sure. Um, but at eight wins, though, I think at Sugar House, you know, for their win total, I don't think it's terrible if you do are bullish on the Rams. Um, I don't see them being much worse than eight. Like I think I do see them kind of in that like seven win to nine win range, eight and a half. I like the under or lean towards that, but, um, you know, at, at eight, I think you can make a, a case for the over if you are bullish on them. Yeah. I, I was trying to get them under, I just, there was ends up too much juice. Um, that would definitely be my lean though. Um, yeah, they just, there are too many questions for me. I do think that there are some buys in the prop market though, because, I do think they're going to have to throw the football. I think it ends up being a pretty good season for Jared Goff if he's able to stay upright and get 16 games out of him. Um, our uh, four for four projections pretty high as well. 4,565 yards for Goff. Uh, we can find a 42.99 at FanDuel. Uh, any thoughts on Goff and uh, and this prop here, Tyler? Yeah, led the league in pass attempts last year, but managed just 4,600 yards. I don't know. There's no Brandon Cooks. <laughs> There's no Brandon Cooks. It's a, it could be a little bit more two tight end sets. I don't know. I'm kind of staying away. I feel like that 
I feel like 4,600, like repeating that number is very strong. But with that prop being around 4,300, it's probably a, a safe enough gap there to hit it. But mm, I think I've been aggressive in other spots. I'm just going to not be aggressive here. Yeah, it probably gets there with 16 games, but maybe not comfortably. And, you know, with all the variables this season, uh, make a good point. It's, again, similar we talked about here earlier. Um, you can transition, Connor, and tell us a little bit about golf and then talk to us about, talk to us about these receivers. I mean, uh, Woods and Cup, there's really not necessarily a third guy that's emerged. We think it might be Josh Reynolds. We obviously know that there are multiple tight ends that are a factor here. Um, so talk to us about golf and then into the receivers. Yeah, I know it's kind of lame, but I just like don't have too much of a take on this prop market because I could see I could see the Rams kind of ascending back to where they were, but I could also see them like sinking and just like totally failing. Um, and so I don't. How does that affect golf? How does that affect you know Woods and Cup? I think it affects golf the most. I just don't really I don't really know, and I think that um, it's it's tough to really have too much of a take on you know where they're going to end up this season. Um, for Woods and Cup, I think that. I think Woods like should outproduce Cup just because he'll be on the field more um, in like you know blocking instances and should see you know more set more um, plays when they have two tight ends on the field things of that sort. So I would lean towards Woods, but uh, I mean every time that Cooper Cup is healthy, like he seemed like you know Jared Goff's go-to guy, um, and they've shown just like chemistry pretty much since day one. Um, but that is mostly when you know he's in the slot. So. Um, I don't know. I think it's it's a really tough situation, and we saw them kind of like switch um, formations midseason last year, which you know led to the breakout of Tyler Higby. Uh, that along with Gerald Everett, uh, Gerald Everett's injury. But yeah, it's. I think this is just a really tough team to figure out in general, especially like on the player level. Tyler, do you have any like you know really strong takes here, or are you kind of in the same boat? Yeah, I think you're kind of spot on, which is why they're all kind of a value right now. Like we're seeing both these guys available in round four. Uh, I like both them for different reasons. I prefer to go with Robert Woods just for the safety there. I do an article every offseason for Fantasy Guru called Scoring Dependency, and it kind of just breaks down exactly where a player's fantasy points come from. And when we look at all wideouts with 50 or more receptions last year and sort by the percentage of points that came from touchdowns, we typically see like the big play specialists at the top, like Kenny Galladay, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf. But at number seven was Cooper Cup, who just sticks out like a sore thumb compared to everybody else there, because just because he has so much more volume there compared to everybody. I just think he's a massive touchdown regression candidate. Well, adversely, I think that we have Robert Woods, the guy who uh, stands to go the opposite direction and see more touchdowns. Like out of the top 20 PPR scorers of the last two years, he's the only one to have single digit touchdowns. A lot of possible touchdown regression going there. And, uh, I think Robert Woods is the best bang for your buck play. Uh, we, we looked at both these receiving yardages in terms of uh, prop bets at 1050, 1,050 yards. I think they're perfect for each of them and a line to stay away from. Um, I don't know. Cooper Cup, like you said, once he moved to the outside, we saw his yards per route run dip compared to when he was operating out of the slot. I think it's a, a prime regress, regress, regression spot for him and uh, one that I'm going to avoid. Yeah, it's one of those things where like, we know what our minds tell us should happen from a regression standpoint with touchdowns, but it's like Woods really has never been much of a touchdown guy, and Cooper Cup, for some reason, has shown an affinity for you know being targeted in the red zone and converting them. Um, you know, maybe we see something different if they're going to continue to use them outside, and you know, I'll bank on what the math is going to tell us. More often than not, that's going to work its way towards the middle for both. But uh, yeah, I think they're both buys in fantasy. I'd probably stay away from 
any of these uh, these props. So um, how about Higby? We have a uh, Higby prop available at uh, just a tick over 700 yards. Um, he really obviously emerged down the stretch last year. Was absolute beast for the final four games. What are your thoughts on Higby, Tyler? Yeah, I haven't hit a lot of player props this year, mostly because I'm scared due to COVID. I think a lot of these are just going to fall flat. Sure. But one of the few ones I have hit is the under on Higby. I just don't think Ooh. he's in line to be this tight end one that everyone's claiming him to be. I like it. I don't see it. Like During those final five weeks last year, we saw Gerald Everett play a total of four snaps. Four of those five games that he played, two, two of them were against Arizona, one was against Seattle, and one was against Dallas. Those three squads were all bottom three in most fantasy points allowed to opposing tight ends last year. I think he just hit the perfect storm of uh, uh, of just producing with, um, excuse me, what's his name? Uh, Cooper Cup sideline, like Cup snap rate over the final five games. He went from 88% weeks one through 12 down to 63% the final five weeks. And I think it's a big reason why we saw Higby surge just because he was uh, Jared Goff's main checkdown option. And I don't see that happening again with a healthy Everett back in the fold. I mean, Everett, he has a much better athletic profile, much better production profile. He was Sean McVay's first draft pick that he got as soon as he moved from Washington as their tight end coach over to LA. I just expect the Rams to use Everett as much as they can this year, use him heavily, and then just deal him in the offseason and let him walk, not pay him. So I, th- I think Everett is the play here. He's a guy I'm targeting heavily in tight end premium formats just because he's going so far under the radar, like tight end 18, tight end 20. Like He's being massively discounted right now, and if I'm wrong. Big deal. I don't invest in Tyler Higby. If I'm right, I get a really strong tight end two play in Gerald Everett that uh, just smashes ADP. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Could not agree more. Yeah. I have zero Higby. Uh, I think for all those reasons, I just, I think that the midsection of tight end in general in fantasy is a little bit overvalued. And uh, so there's no really harm in waiting and getting some of the guys that you can get later. And if I'm in a spot in a best ball or a tight end premium where I maybe need a tight end three, even like Everett all day, I think there's massive upside. And like you said, if not, I got two other guys anyway, you know, I think it's really all, all gravy at that point. Um, yeah. Higby perfect storm, really nice schedule for that to work out last year too. Um, I think it's, it's a 50, 50 share and um, definitely would be shorting this, uh, this property thoughts here, Connor. Yeah, I mean, like Higby's the guy who like gets cut next year or something, and like we never hear from him again. And then there's always like it's like you know like a Peyton Hillis almost, except just like less Gary Barnage, uh, less famous. You know what I mean? Just like yeah, Gary Barnage. That's a, that's the best example. It's exact like everyone thinks like oh, we well, did some good things last year. You know, project him forward to this year. Um, but then when you 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 know dive into the context like you guys did, I think it makes too much sense. Like Gerald Everett, I think has so much upside here. Um, I mean, just like the craziness of Tyler Higby's like career in like his past three seasons combined, he had 672 yards um, and he had almost that many in the last, you know, final, whatever, six, seven games of the season. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I th- I'm out on Higby. I'm definitely not betting on betting on like an over here. Uh, and I, li- I like the under um, that, uh, you know, Tyler talked about here, but we we do have a, a listener question here for Ryan Noonan from Joe Pano. That gold paint is Noonan recording live from the Lamb of the Rams locker room? Question mark. <laughs> I mean that is uh, that's a serious question here. It's good. I mean um, this is uh, same paint, unfortunately, that dons the halls of this entire establishment. <laughs> um, 
I didn't have any say in selecting it, and I kind of hate it, but uh, not representing the Rams per se. But, uh, you know, thanks for watching. Thanks for chatting in, buddy. Uh, Tell Abby we said hi. He must be talking to the kids, you know, trying to watch a little four for four on his phone while he's uh, while he's talking to the kids. Pano the goat. Exactly. Yeah. He's something else. We <laughs> <laughs> love that guy. All right, move on to the uh, final team here with the Cardinals. Uh, they are plus 260 to make the playoffs. You can short them on FanDuel minus 310. Win total, different juices everywhere. Number seven pretty much across the board. Uh, they are 9-1 to win this division, 25-1 to to win the NFC, and 50-1 and to win it all. Um, yeah, good buzz on the Cardinals, you know, people being a little bit optimistic, obviously making some splashes. Really nice, sexy first draft pick uh, with Isaiah Simmons, kind of just do-it-all, versatile uh, linebacker they added in the draft, and then obviously adding um, Hopkins in the trade. That was just an absolute fleecing of the Texans. Um, but what are your thoughts on the Cardinals, Tyler? Yeah, year two, Mahomes, 50 touchdowns. Year two, Lamar, <laughs> Super Bowl win. No, not Super Bowl, uh, MVP, excuse me. And then year two for Kyler, uh, Super Bowl win, 50 to one. Let's um, get it. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> these are fades all the way around. I don't like any of these bets. Uh, there, there's a reason they're fourth in their division. Um, I don't know. There's a chance they beat the Rams and get third, but definitely not taking uh, any of these bets here. Yeah, I could see that too, but like generous. There's, I think this, there's all the juice has been squeezed out of this. And I could see why someone would be optimistic and buy it, you know, six and a half. And I think it even opened it like six in some places. Uh, just been really, really uh, climbing ever since. I really don't think there's any use in chasing them here. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Cardinals, Connor? Yeah, I mean, it, they're just like the hype team of the offseason. I, it's almost scary, but I, I almost kind of like compare them to like the Browns of last year where like everyone is projecting, right? Like they're projecting that step forward. They're projecting DeAndre Hopkins to have like an elite connection with a great quarterback in Kyler Murray. And like there's just there's just too much that we don't already know and that, you know, maybe it's foolish uh, to not project. But at the same time, I think that we've seen it in the past where people get burned by doing that and that it might be too much of a leap of faith for the Cardinals to become, you know, that elite team. Um, but at the same time, I think a lot of it does add up. Um, I mean, personally, I'm not really touching them in like a win total market, but I think that if you, you know, really, really want to get, uh, get dicey here, like a nine to one to win the division. I mean, if you really like the Cardinals, I think that's probably a good way to attack it, um, with potentially the 49ers regressing and, you know, maybe they, maybe they squeak out some wins here. Uh, as you see on the stream, you know, like we, I have the strength of schedule posted, I think there's a good chance that they get off to a good start here. I mean, we're seeing week one, you know, on the road against the Niners, that's probably an L. But then you have the Redskins, Lions, Panthers, Jets. Like, I mean, there's a chance that they're like three and two or four and one coming out of those games um, with a full head of steam, uh, given the rest of the schedule is, you know, not easy. But still, I think, you know, there's a chance for them to gain some early season confidence here and, you know, make a run down the stretch. Uh, I'm not really betting on it. And I think that a lot of the value is kind of already like sucked out of it. But, um, yeah, I think that it's, at some point in the season, there's going to be some value betting against them. And I think that's going to be like after after that week five stretch where they've had a few good games um, and, and, you know, maybe go heavy against them following that. Schedule gets really tough down the stretch. Yeah. Really, really tough. Um, 
How about the Kyler market here? We have a projection at 4,176 passing yards, which is basically higher than anything we can find out there. Sugar House, highest number at 3,850. Um, we also have rushing props on him too, 475 rushing yards. It's about 50 shy of our projection. So we know we didn't see him running as much as we wanted to last year. He seemed a little reluctant to do so. You know, the skills are there. What are your thoughts on Kyler's market here, Tyler? Very soft lines here. Love that 3,800 mark. Love that 475 for rushing. Like I think both are very exploitable. Hard not to see him building on last year's success. I mean, it was a lot of trial by fire last year for both Murray and for Kingsbury. We saw a lot of adjustments from Kingsbury as the season progressed. Remember, they were all smoke and mirrors. Like They tried not to show anything at all during the preseason or during any of their practices, or their open practices, excuse me. Um, but I fully anticipate this offense getting a lot better in 2020, seeing a lot more adjustments from Kingsbury and uh, seeing that translate to Murray and on the field. I like both these markets here. Yeah, and it's incredible how they were such an, an amazingly efficient rushing team too down the stretch as they were willing to adjust. I mean, we all thought it was going to be all sorts of, you know, 10 personnel and like everything was just going to be, you know, pace, 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 spread them out. And they just – it was good to see a coach be able to come in and adapt and not just be like, take lock. This is my system. I'm going to run this no matter what. He was willing to adjust and, and play to his strengths. And, you know, that's promising looking at the Cardinals, kind of projecting them forward. Um, what are your thoughts on Kyler here, Connor? Anything, any interest in, in these numbers? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that they are kind of soft. I just like, especially for what we think is going to happen. I'm just, I'm scared to take too many overs unless I like feel really, really confident here. Um, but yeah, that like 3799 at FanDuel of, you know, his passing yards, I think that's like a very reasonable over to take here. Um, especially with, I mean, even if Hopkins like doesn't come into his own and, you know, crush it, I think that he'll be a very legitimate option for, um, Kyler. And I, I expect Christian Kirk to, you know, take another step forward as well. So, uh, I mean, the weapons are all there for him to produce. So, I mean, yeah, 3799, I think it's a really low line. And then like, his rushing yards, um, I mean, we haven't projected for more, but uh, I think that's a, that's a tough line as well. Um, but, I mean, you saw him kind of get going towards the end of the season. I was excited to take more of his overs early on, but he didn't just didn't really seem to run like in the first game or so. So I got scared away, but then he started, you know, like using his legs, becoming more comfortable. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that the over here is a reasonable play, but again, it, I think it's a little too close to what uh, we have projected for to feel too confident about it. I mean, I was all in on this guy last year. It's not yeah. time to take my you know, foot off the gas. Definitely think projecting them forward makes a ton of sense. And, you know, second year in the system, second year in the league, you know, gets a little bit of a, obviously, a, you know, a target upgrade. Think about the dudes that were running in their three wide sets towards the tail end of the year last year. Like, I know that we don't necessarily assume that Hopkins comes in and it's just perfect. But like, I don't know why we're pretending that this is the first receiver to ever change teams. We're talking about like an elite, elite receiver, possibly really just maybe the best pure all-around receiver in the league. He's unbelievable. And to think that he can't come in and acclimate himself right away with a young, up-and-coming, accurate quarterback. Um, you know, I'm I'm willing to buy a little bit of Hopkins as he continues to to slip. Um, what are your thoughts on the Hopkins market here, uh, Tyler? We have a pretty generous projection. Uh, pretty low number um, out there. At, uh, I'm not sure what book that is, Sugar House or, or FanDuel, but 1,124 yards. What are your thoughts on Hopkins? 
Yeah, you kind of alluded to it. New player, new team. We historically see these guys typically struggle out the gate. But again, that we're dealing with an elite receiver who's in his prime and going to an offense that wants to pass the ball and play up tempo. Like if there's one receiver that's likely to shoot this, it's most likely going to be Hopkins. And uh, I'm going to be avoiding Hopkins in fantasy drafts just because he's going typically at that early round one, two turn. And that's where I'm typically hammering running backs. Mm-hmm. And I think we could see him more of as a top six wide out than the top three that is currently going in ADP. So as much as I'm not taking him in fantasy, I think this line is pretty good here. Just 1100 uh, receiving yards. I think he could easily eclipse that. Um, one thing I will say is I do a wide receiver cornerback matchup chart for the year and no receiver faces more top 25 graded cornerbacks by PFF from last year than Deandre Hopkins. Uh, again, that's take that for what it is. Receivers move all over the formation. Cornerbacks do as well. Um, but he has one of the toughest cornerback schedules of the year. Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd be okay. Taking 11, 24. It's, it's going to be a line I'm going to leave alone, but I would, if I had to pick a side, I would pick the over. Yeah, how about you, Connor? What are your thoughts on Hopkins? I think that honestly, I think that with the volatility here, I would be more inclined to take like eighteen to one for him to like have the most receiving yards in the league than take like uh you know an over under just because um, if he doesn't like mesh right away, like you know the butt is like the bet is bust, you know like it's like it's over right. But if he does click, you know you're not only hitting the over on your prop, but you're hitting like. You have a good chance, I think, at hitting like most receiving yards in a league. Like if he gets targeted relentlessly by Kyler Murray, I think there's a good chance that he crushes. Um, and I don't really think that that's the most likely outcome, though. And that's kind of like what Tyler was saying because um, he is changing teams and like they're going to play a lot of four wide receiver sets. They're going to spread the ball out. I think Christian Kirk is a very legitimate option. Um, so if you're bullish on if you're bullish on Hopkins, I think you should definitely sprinkle some on like a uh, most receiving yards. Um, for me, you know, I'm kind of just staying away and not really targeting him at his ADP and fantasy either. So um, I think that, yeah, I think it really just comes down to like how you want to attack this. But in my opinion, I think this is the best way. Christian Kirk, obviously looking to make a step forward too. I mean, he missed some time last year. Really, it was at times Larry Fitz and Trent Sherfy. I mean, it was just really bad. Um, I know that just as a prospect, I think you both are probably interested in Kirk. What do you think about him at these numbers? We have uh, a number at seven and a quarter. Our projection is a little bit above that at 752. What are your thoughts on Kirk here, Tyler? Yeah, he's going to be a player for me that I'm going to avoid. I mean, he had just one top 12 week last year, and we had DeAndre Hopkins in the fold. I don't know. Until we see Larry Fitzgerald hang him up, I think he's going to be a legitimate roadblock for Christian Kirk and just a pain for anybody that's a Kirk truther and somebody to just hold on to in dynasty leagues and just ride it out. Yeah. I love Christian Kirk. I have, I think I have zero, maybe one to just, um, just as he's going a little too, too rich for my blood this year. And you said, I mean, it, it was really all one game, right? He had that like massive game, three, four touchdown game, and then just nothing. Um, any thoughts on Kirk here, Connor? Not too much. Um, I mean, not really beyond what you guys already added. Our, our projections have been like right over at 752. So, you know, I'm not I'm not really touching him. I think that the upside is there if, you know, Kyler does continue to spread it out. I'm just really interested to see like how how he does this season with, you know, I think Kirk is legitimate talent, um, but there's also Larry Fitz there and there's also, you know, Hopkins there. So like how, what does the target share look like? I really don't have much of an idea. You know, I, I like to pencil in Hopkins for, 
uh, a lion's share of that and just like really dominating the target share. But I really just don't know. I mean, maybe it's just not in Kyler's, um, you know, how they scheme things up and what Kyler likes to do. So I think it's, it's going to be something to look for, I think, early on in the season and then potentially take advantage of in the prop market, like on a week to week basis. Um, like, you know, after we kind of figure out like what's going on with, with who they're trying to target more and uh, where Kyler's throws are going, looking at the air yards, especially. Well, then talk to me about Kenyon Drake. This is a, this is one of those scenarios we kind of were talking about at the top where we just really have speculation. We have beat reports. We don't really get any preseason games this year. Report comes out today. Kingsbury's talking about how Chase Edmonds is a starting caliber running back in this league. You know, obviously that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but we don't really get a, a glean on how they're going to be using them in preseason games. The obvious thought is Kenyon Drake is the bell cow here, but um, I guess give me your thoughts on uh, on Drake in this running back situation. Was that to me? Sorry. Yeah. I missed that. All right. Um, yeah. I mean, the the comments today were a little bit scary, but I think that they were almost like coach speak. It was kind of like, oh, we view, you know, Edmonds as a starter, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I don't know. I think that if they viewed him as a starter, like why did he not like play at the end of last year? I don't know. I mean, maybe he was banged up, but like, you know, I feel like he should have gotten some, some touches, right. If they really thought that he was that good, I don't know. It just kind of seemed like fluff. Um, but um, I do think that he's a legitimate, like late round uh, target in fantasy. But so for Kenny Drake, um, what scares me most about him is like kind of like the workload thing. And I know that that's largely like a, a shallow argument, but for like Drake, it's legit. He was used as like a gadget player at Alabama. Like he was used like out wide and like, I don't like he was barely used and partially because of his competition at the running back position. But like, he just like wasn't used as a, a legitimate running back. I think he had like 40 something carries or something uh, in his senior year and, or uh, whenever before he graduated. So I don't know. I, I think that the workload bit is a little bit, a little bit scary for me. And if that catches up to him, I think that Chase Edmonds has a good uh, chance of, you know, really breaking out. I'm not tacking Kenny Drake in a prop market. I think his upside is really high though. I mean, we saw the last eight weeks, like he was on pace for over 1600 yards from scrimmage. So yeah, I think he's just like a really high upside, low floor kind of guy here that the role that he's going to be put in, I think is really strong, but it's a matter of whether he holds up. And um, as long as, you know, the chase Edmonds bit from today was coach speak. Yeah. Even if it's, even if it is, I'm still buying Edmonds, at cost whenever I can. For sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, there could be standalone value. And I think there's a ton of, of value if there's anything to it or to your point of Drake is not able to hold up. But what are your thoughts here on this uh, running back situation and any props on Drake as well, Tyler? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Drake for fantasy purposes this year. I mean, RB4 during the final eight games of last season, a lot of touches and a lot of work in the receiving game, uh, 13 or 14% target share, I believe. And I mean, this guy, he saw eight or fewer defenders in the box on like eight or 9% of his plays, like, I'm sorry, eight or more defenders, excuse me. So he barely saw crowded boxes. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, Just because of the way the Arizona's offense runs and they're able to spread them out, um, bottom five rate in that. And he just picked up a lot of yardage per carry. I think it just sets him up well to uh, not take heavy hits, which again, circles back to what Connor said about him being more of a receiving back during his Alabama days. And uh, that's exactly why we invested him in rookie drafts because he had that receiving upside. And I think this is the perfect offense for him to go to as far as a a dump off candidate and a receiver working out of the backfield for uh, Kyler Murray to check down to. But 
man, I, I just think the upside is through the roof here with this guy. And Chase Edmonds, again, like just to talk about him real quick, like th- we saw uh, David Johnson go down week six. That following game, Chase Edmonds tore up the Giants, 27 carries, three touchdowns, 130 plus yards, I believe. Then that next game, they played the Saints and he got banged up. The following week, because Edmonds got banged up, they added Kenyon Drake. And had they not done that, I think Edmonds just got the raw end of the deal there. And he's just the perfect like round 11, round 12 running back to add just to keep on your yep. bench, wait for a potential Drake injury to occur. And then you have an RB1 waiting in the wings. Uh, it's it's hard to leave a fantasy draft without him. And uh, just knowing that this up-tempo offense is going to produce a lot of fantasy points. Like I think the Cardinals were like bottom three in their ability to get red zone trips and uh, convert those into scores. Like, they have a lot of work to do in terms of finishing drives. And I think that the combination of Drake and Edmonds can help them there. Uh, they just didn't use Edmonds at all though. That final half of the season. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of dribbling on a little bit, but I like <laughs> a lot. Uh, I'm not going to touch any of these markets though. I think they're really sharp where they are right now at the lines. Yeah. Yeah. 45% um, touchdown rate in the red zone, which is about 12% lower than, league average so um that'll some, definitely some improvement <laughs> yeah yeah they, they can get better so uh but yeah I'm, i think we're kind of said it I, I don't know that we believe that they could beat the rams and take over maybe that third spot in the division um maybe they can't because the rams i don't think we're really bullish on them either so uh, maybe this speaks to if both of these teams aren't really that good and they maybe are a little bit under the market but kind of speaks to maybe the niners being kind of right on their number, a little bit over it. And then it is a really tough spot to to fade the Seahawks, knowing that you know there's some potential for for both those other two teams for them to pick up, you know, probably three, maybe four wins in the division against those other two. So pretty key. All right, Tyler, favorite bet of the night that we've discussed. Uh, what do you got? Uh, I've got two. Um, one, I've already placed money on, so I'm just going to repeat it. The under on Higby's 700 receiving yards. Again, just not a big fan of that line at all. I think there's a really strong chance that he falls flat on that. And then the other line is going to be the over on Kittle at 1050. I think he has a good chance at smashing that and putting up a 12 to 1300 yard season and hopefully, fingers crossed, hitting double digit touchdowns and uh, being the tight end one along the way. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Need Kittle for sure. Connor, what do you got, man? What's your favorite of the night? Yeah, probably uh, Seahawks win the division um, plus 240. I just think that's the best value here. Um, none of the player props I'm like in love with. I also love, or I also really like that uh, DK Metcalf over. Um, if you're interested in playing overs during you know this season, but uh, I'm I'm a fan. That's mine. Shout out to uh, to Pano who dropped a listener question earlier. I know he is a uh, a massive Decalin Zacharias Metcalf stan. And uh, yeah, I mean, 850 is just is too low. I think there are uh, so many ways for him to maybe not even play a full 16 games and still be able to top that number with with what I think he can do this season. So definitely my favorite. And I don't know, I'm not convinced that uh, that Seattle wins this division, but uh, I do think that they're definitely a playoff team. So if this feels like a two playoff team division, uh, anyone feel confident that the Rams or the Cardinals are maybe sneaking in that seven spot? I mean, confident, no, but I think it's definitely possible. Yeah, that seven spot adds a whole new element to it, but I'm going to say no for the show's purpose. <laughs> yeah. Well, because we, you know, the, the NFC East feels like a, oh gosh, what is it? 
<laughs> I had to put it on the screen. I had to. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Uh, he's a beast. He's a beast. It's hard to 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 deny it. Uh, I was a little resistant last year, and uh, you know, I I was wrong. Uh, and they really used him well. And like I said, Russ Russ was there. I think it was just bitter because it made David Moore definitely not a thing. <laughs> yeah. Definitely yeah, David Moore is, I think, probably one of your most brand guys. Like David Moore and anti-Ronald Jones are your two brand things, right, Noon? And I feel like that's like uh... – I'm definitely alone now in Ronald Jones sucks. <laughs> and yeah. I'm, uh, I'm swimming upstream, but I'm going to hold – um, and be correct, I think. But uh, Tom Brady is the uh, the tie that raises all ships, unfortunately. So, no. I don't know what to tell you. Don't pretend that he's not. We're talking about the goat here. So, Tyler, you're the man. Uh, thank you for stopping by. Tell the people where they can find you and your stuff. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, you can catch my stuff over at fantasyguru.com or elitefantasy.com. Uh, both those sites I write and contribute to for, for uh, football. Awesome. If you're not familiar with Tyler, um, we must be, but like read his stuff too. Really, really strong writer that I've enjoyed for years and um, always a big fan of his stuff. So thanks for coming on, buddy. Appreciate thanks it. for having me. Uh, again, you can find us basically anywhere you can find a podcast. Uh, don't forget, rate and review whenever you can. Find Connor on Twitter at Connor Allen NFL. I'm there as well, Ryan Noonan. And you can find the show at Move the Line NFL. We'll be back next week to unpack the NFC North. Uh, So for Connor and Tyler, I'm Ryan. Thanks for stopping by.